If you're trying to guide a ship and you're going in this trajectory, if you change it one degree right now, it doesn't make that much of a difference. But if you go 100 miles out, you're in a very, very different place, which I think is a, a really interesting analogy for where you could end up, depending on what your choices are today. And not to say that always thinking about the future is the way that you should manage your health. I think there's a certain amount of, it's time to have fun, enjoy your cookies, <laughs> knock yourself out for a day. It's not gonna really change all that much if you do it for one day. But it's kind of like a meditation, like you can go off the rails, but you're always coming back to that point. I'm Ben Grenell, part of the growing team here at Levels. We're a venture-funded startup backed by more than a thousand of our community members and some of the best VCs in the game, including Andreessen Horowitz. On this podcast, we talk about everything we do. We share the learnings about our culture and what we're building along the way. This is Inside the Company. I'm Mike Haney, Editorial Director at Levels. Today I got a chance to talk to one of our members, Mo Jeans. Mo is a physician assistant from Portland who's been using a CGM for about two years. She's somebody who was in relative good health, but was paying attention to her metrics, noticed her blood sugar was a little high, was entering a period of her life going through perimenopause and menopause when the body was starting to change, and was curious to get more feedback on what was happening inside her body. What I really loved about this conversation with Mo and some of the things that she highlighted was the continuous experimentation that she takes to her own health and fitness. So you'll hear she talks about even after two years of doing this and learning a lot, she's continuing to experiment to try different foods, to try different combinations of food and exercise. She's somebody who recently started doing heavy weightlifting as a fitness regime, and she's learning how that affects her blood sugar and her overall health. The other point she made that I found really valuable in here was about the balance between self-forgiveness and understanding that you're not always going to have a perfectly stable glucose line. You're not always gonna eat the quote unquote right thing or the best thing. Sometimes you're gonna have a Christmas cookie. Sometimes you're gonna eat a little more of the fruit that you really like that you know spikes you a little bit. And one of the things we often talk about here at Levels is how to make sure we can do that and, and keep our mental health as positive as possible while still trying to do our best that we can for our bodies and ourselves because the two work together. And Mo just has a great perspective on how to achieve that she likens to to meditation, observing the thoughts passing and then coming back to the breath. So I took a, a lot out of this conversation with Mo. I really appreciated her perspective. And this is where I kick it off with Mo. I'd love to just sort of go back and kind of level set. I'm curious what your approach was to your overall health you know, throughout your adulthood? Is it something that you came to sort of later in life or have you always been somebody who's paid attention to your diet and exercise and, and your overall health? I would say that for the vast majority of my adult life, I did not pay attention to it. I probably started paying attention to it about 10 years ago. Maybe not, maybe a little bit less than 10 years ago. And was there a precipitating event? So I became a PA, a physician assistant in 2012. And I thought 
when I became a PA that I would spend my time doing emergency medicine, which I did a bunch of pre-hospital care prior to that. So it was sort of in my wheelhouse to do that. I moved out to Portland, Oregon, and was not able to find a job in emergency medicine. Various reasons, but anyway, it worked out. I ended up in primary care, and through my initial opportunity, work opportunity, somebody gave me a book called Brain, 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 and uh, I think that sort of kickstarted my journey. I continued on through the Institute for Functional Medicine to get my certification in functional medicine. That sort of started the path down uh, wellness for me. Were you aware of the functional medicine approach before before finding Green Brain and starting your, your PA training or through your PA training? Did you get any exposure to that or was it something you kind of discovered on your own through books and podcasts and that sort of thing? It was something I sort of discovered on my own. I've tangentially been associated a little bit with integrative medicine, but more on like spending more time doing physical therapy or acupuncture or Reiki or, you know, other sorts of alternative, like quote unquote, alternative medicine type of modalities that were not really medicine related, I would say. Not that they're not medicine related. They're just, it's just a very different approach than Western medicine. Did you begin that as you learned more about this kind of approach, did you begin incorporating more changes into your own lifestyle in terms of eating or supplements or exercise or, or other kinds of practices? After I started with Grain Brain, I had cut out gluten for a month just out of challenge and found that I couldn't add it back in, which was interesting and enlightening. And what I did find was that my blood pressure, which was elevated prior to that point, dropped completely into the normal range. And so my decision from that point was, well, if it manages my blood pressure, there's really no reason other than taste. Everybody likes the taste of gluten. Other than taste, there was really no reason to add it back in. If it can control my blood pressure and I didn't have to start on medications, then I'm okay with cutting that out. That precipitated me kind of looking more into functional medicine, which led me to more of a paleo style diet. Um, also very interesting. I did find that uh, dairy was also irritating to me. Um, it caused a lot of sinus congestion and like a chronic low-grade cough for me. So, so I cut that out too. So it's sort of just been a little bit of a journey. Um, I found out that I can tolerate a little bit, but I can't do a ton. Pizza's right out. All the good stuff. And then further on into the journey, much more recently, following some of the bloggers that I usually do like Peter Atia and Andrew Huberman. Uh, I started playing around with 
well, I got a, the continuous glucose monitor probably about two years ago and then started playing around with weights and different varying exercises. For me, I always thought yoga was sort of my thing. I am a yoga teacher, so I did spend a lot of time doing that and then started doing some other types of activities like dance, running, and just thinking that that was good for me because I'm moving, which I suppose in a lot of cases that's that's true is that I'm moving and I'm doing something good for my body. But I did find that for me using the CGM helped me figure out that as I'm aging and traveling through menopause, that perimenopausal period, that my blood sugar stability started going out the window and those sorts of activities that used to work for me in the past aren't so helpful for me. Was it evident in the way you felt or were you seeing that primarily in the metrics that you were measuring, like your blood sugar or, um, or blood pressure or other things? Well, I found that as I aged, my blood sugar became a lot more difficult to manage. I would have a lot of really, really big spikes, probably in the diabetic range, I would guess. Um, they were, I think, over 200. I didn't like compare my CGM with a glucometer at the time. So I can't say if that was a real number or not a real number, but it was enough for me to be like, oh, something needs to change. So I went ahead and started, my husband does um, functional bodybuilding. So I started lifting weights with him. And that's been, for me, uh, it's, it's been good for blood sugar balance, allowing me a little bit more freedom to eat a little more liberally during the day than I otherwise have been because I've been really tight on my uh, restrictions or sugar and fruits and other some you know some of them are beneficial like the the fruits are very beneficial for the polyphenols and whatnot but I was restricting quite a bit to the point where it was kind of not really fun yeah I'd love to talk more about that idea of restricting, because I think that is one of the hardest things for anybody who starts on this journey, who starts getting this kind of real-time feedback into what their diet's doing, who wants that glucose line to stay stable, or is maybe trying to bring down an A1C over time. So when you talk about, you know, cutting out things like gluten, um, or even getting more restrictive over time, how did you accomplish that? How was that for you? Were you somebody who was, who was able to kind of harness that willpower? Or was it something you really had to struggle with and go back and forth on? Tell me about the experience of cutting out certain things in your, in your diet. I just kind of got to the point where I just ate certain foods and I didn't eat other foods. I still probably don't, I don't remember the last time I had a dessert or a sweet other than some fruit or yeah, not even honey. I, I just, it's not something that I even crave anymore now that I've sort of been off of it for so long. It just, it's not even interesting to me. But I do find that with my functional medicine training that we do get polyphenols from things like blueberries and cherries and 
you get a lot of benefit from an orange, even though, you know, it does cause your blood sugar to go up. There are benefits to consuming actual fruit versus fruit juice or whatnot. But I just found that it was extremely restrictive for me to the point, yeah, to the point where I was just not, I was not really having fun. There was not a whole lot of variety in my diet. And I think that's what sort of clued me into it's not having a perfectly stable blood sugar is not fantastic. It, I mean, it ideally, we really don't want to have those excursions, but I think that allowing some excursions, hopefully not too high an excursion is, is okay so that I can consume blueberries or strawberries or other beneficial fruits. I still tend to avoid things like bananas and pineapples, but I still uh, try to consume some of the, the fruit and not worry too much about it. But it's definitely hard because that the CGM is very much a, a, an accountability tool. So you're looking, you're, you're looking at your phone going, oh my gosh, my blood sugar is 150. I just had five cherries. Maybe I won't do that again. And then worry about, oh, do I need to go for a walk to bring that back down? And it, it sort of started to rule my day and rule how I was consuming things, which I feel like is, is too much focus. It shouldn't, I feel like any tool that we use is a, is a tool. It's not something that, it, it's a tool to help guide us through whatever it is we're trying to learn from that tool versus making things absolute. Like you must eat this way. You must not have blood sugar excoriation. You must go to bed at nine o'clock every single night, regardless of what's going on. So I feel like I needed to start using it more as a tool to sort of guide me through my journey. Was there anything that you changed in the relationship of how you used it to make that leap? I think that's such an important point not to fall too far into what I think can be so easy, which is you you just try to win the game every day of of the glucose line, or you just try to make the, my wife sometimes call it like, you know, making the app happy. She'll say, it's not happy with me or my app is mad at me. <laughs> Um, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there anything that you started doing differently in terms of how you did you check it less frequently? Did you um, how, how did you sort of get over that hump of saying, all right, I'm not going to let this rule my life. I'm just going to use it as a kind of guide. Um, I've been playing. So I've been playing around with uh, a CGM for about two years on and off. Um, I was initially taking like the off periods to try and see if I could regulate things on my own without, without using a tool to kind of guide me. Um, I do find that it's e much easier, of course, to go off the rails because nothing's telling me, oh, 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 you shouldn't be doing that. So I, I do try and take breaks from it. I, I just took a two week or three week break from, from having the CGM. I just popped one back on this morning, just take breaks from it and try to guide myself based on the tools that I've been using the tools, things that I've learned from my CGM. A whole pizza doesn't work well for me. 
for a variety of reasons, but one of them being that cheese causes my blood sugar to be elevated for about 24 hours, like a 10 point consistent elevation for about 24 hours, which was a really interesting insight that one would never know unless you had one on. And it was a real number. So I tried to take breaks from it, take time off to see how I would settle into a program of eating habits and exercise. Uh, The exercise I did find, obviously, the more muscle mass you have, the more metabolically active it will be. So you will have more ability to use that glucose and cholesterol and all the other benefits that you get from exercise. But I was looking at it from the standpoint of sleep and blood sugar control. And when I go, when I go big, it does help my blood sugar for 24 to 36 hours. And my sleep is much better. And my H, uh, heart rate variability is much better at night. So taking those principles and trying to keep a pretty consistent exercise habit, it's obviously a balance between blood sugar stability and then recovery time. So just trying to really feather that difference between the blood sugar stability and the sleep recovery sort of phase um, is sort of what I'm playing around with right now. So I'm about working out about three days a week, lifting, lifting heavy. And then uh, my blood sugar's been pretty good recently. How have you found the correlation between what the numbers are telling you in the app and how you feel? Did you either in the beginning or over time observe, you know, a, a physical sensation that previously you wouldn't have necessarily been able to place and now you can look at it and say, oh, that's because I was crashing? Or are the two kind of divorced? Do you rely on the data because you don't necessarily feel differently depending on your habits? It's a little bit of both. Uh, what I do find, I, I don't necessarily feel the correlation except when I get stressed out. I do feel a lot more hot and I don't want to say hot flashy, but kind of hot flashy where I just feel like, wow, it's really, really hot in here. And, or I've been talking for an hour and a half straight and I haven't had a break. And I can feel that. And when I check my CGM, I'm like, oh, yeah, my blood sugar is like 130 for the last 15 minutes. I haven't eaten anything. I haven't, but I also haven't had anything to drink. And I'm excited about the topic that I'm talking about. And I've just been going on and on. So I'm noticing that my blood sugar does creep up as I do that. But other than that, I don't notice a ton except for my sleep. Tell me more about the the sleep. What have you learned that works and, and what doesn't work and what kind of improvements have you made? So I use an aura ring for my feedback. Um, and the sleep, I find my recovery, well, my HRV is much better if I lift heavy. And on the days that I don't lift heavy, it's not nearly as good. But also, I also know that there's a bit of recovery in there as well. And I've noticed that if I have a little bit of carbs in the evening, not too much, like maybe 
a tablespoon of rice, not not a ton of rice, but or something like that um, actually helps me to fall asleep a little faster and help me to stay asleep. Um, I did find that chugging a bunch of water before bed was not a good idea. <laughs> not surprisingly. That's interesting. So enough carbs to to kind of help make you sleep, even not so much to send your your blood sugar roller coastering into the evening. Right. And that seems like a good example of the kind of, I like the term you used, feathering, the kind of delicate balance you can achieve when you've got that kind of precise feedback, right? When you can you can calibrate the difference between what's going to send you really soaring versus like what's sort of just enough combined with, you know, the the real world data of how you actually slept or fell asleep that night. Right. How has this journey into metabolic health, paying attention to your blood sugar, monitoring it, how has this impacted your work as a physician assistant? I take a step back in looking at my patient's overall health. I try to give them more of the 50,000 foot view and then projecting more into the future. Like your blood sugar is fine right now. You're, you're 30 years old, your blood sugar is fine right now. Now's the time you need to get these habits into place because as you age, as you go through menopause or andropause or what have you, we start to lose muscle mass. We start to lose this ability, our resilience to manage our blood sugar. So even though you don't have diabetes now, it's a good time to have those habits in place so that you, when you get to that point, you have a little bit more resilience as you transition. So it's a little bit more of a, a long-term look with my patients and also more of like the, let's dial it back and look at your overall picture. I had a, a couple of patients that I was, I was looking at over the years and like, oh, your blood sugar, your A1C was 5.0 three years ago, then it was 5.1, then it was 5.2, now it's 5.3. So you're trending overall, you're still quote unquote normal, but you're trending overall is that you're creeping up. And so if we compound that year over year, by the time you hit 50, you will be a diabetic or you'll be in the pre-diabetes range. So how is that message received by your, your patients? Are folks able to take that long-term view? Does it make sense when you're communicating it to them? I think they appreciate the fact that I take that that step back and say, oh, this is what it looked like last year. This is what it looked like a year before. They may or may not have said, been told, oh, your blood sugar looks fine. You don't have diabetes, but may not understand what those numbers really mean. And if you go up 0.1 year after year and we're at year three, in another three years, you're going to be considered, or four years, you'll be considered pre-diabetic. And what does that mean to you? What does that mean to your overall health? And looking at your metabolic dysfunction, like you're watching it happen year over year. And as you start to age, we don't metabolize food as well. We don't, or we don't, metabolize it as efficiently, I should say. And we start to gain more weight over time, typically. And what does that, what is that going to look like? If you think about, okay, you're 40 years old now and you're getting five pounds a year, 
how much are you going to weigh by the time you're 50? We're heading into that change in your phase of life. What does that look like for you? That's 50 pounds. Five pounds incrementally is not very much, but when you take that over 10 years, that's 50 pounds of weight. What, what is the, what are we, what are we trending towards? What are we looking at in five or 10 years? And how are we going to change that or avoid that or what have you? It's something I've become much more acutely aware of as I've gotten older as well. That point of it's much better and easier to prevent than to fix and particularly to fix when you are older and it's just harder to make some of these changes. As you say, you're, whether you're, you're male or female, your hormones are changing, your ability to respond to blood sugar um, and other metabolites is different. Your ability to exercise and, and the way your body's going to work is just different than when you're 25. And I often think like, boy, I wish I knew a lot of the things I know now 10 or 15 years ago to start exactly to your point. I see it almost as a branching thing. You can either keep going in this path and then we'll see where that's going to end up. But if you make a little change now, it's going to put you in a very different place in 10 or 15 years from now. And you'll be very grateful. Uh, your your 50-year-old self will be very grateful to your 35-year-old self for having made those changes. Yeah. I heard it once um, raised as if you're trying to guide a ship and you're going in this trajectory, if you change it one degree right now, it doesn't make that much of a difference. But if you go 100 miles out, you're in a very, very different place, mm -hmm. which I think is a, a really interesting analogy for where you could end up depending on what your choices are today. And not to say that always thinking about the future is the way that you should manage your health. I think there's a certain amount of it's time to have fun. It's it's Christmas time. Enjoy your cookies. <laughs> Knock yourself out for a day. It's not going to really change all that much if you do it for one day. But it's it's kind of like a meditation. Like you can go off the rails, but you're always coming back to that point. And it's just the cycle. Like as you meditate, your mind tends to wander. And the whole point of the meditation is to bring it back. And so when I think about things like movement or exercise or having Christmas cookies or what have you, it's like part of that meditation, like, okay, you've acknowledged the fact that you've gone off course and then just bring yourself right back. And, and not to say that you shouldn't, but it will happen and you just come right back to it. That's such a wonderful analogy. As somebody who's got uh, chocolate chip cookies sitting on my cupboard right now because my son likes to bake and they call to me, I love that notion of, you know, observe the cookie eating and then come back to the to the regular practice in the same way you observe the thought and then come back to the breath. That's I feel like that'll be a very useful uh, guide for me as I walk by those cookies or as I eat one. This is something we talk about a lot, the idea of, you know, forgiveness and not that delicate balance between not we don't ever want folks to feel guilty or for their mental health to be damaged by the effort to improve their physical health right the two have to work in in concert and you're not doing yourself any favors by giving yourself stress and anxiety and shooting your cortisol up because you're worried about your blood sugar at the same time obviously that's the slippery slope right if you say well i uh you know 
I'm going to practice self-forgiveness. And every day, the self-forgiveness is, well, I ate four cookies today and, and I'm just going to forgive myself of that. Well, then you start to veer on the other path. So I like the idea of anything that can help you acknowledge that those moments are going to happen the same way a thought's going to enter your head, no matter how good of a meditator you are. And the trick is remembering to bring it back to that sort of set point that you want to be at. I found that to be pretty helpful um, over the course of the last few months. I had emergency surgery in September after dropping a knife on my foot. Ooh. I happened to be wearing a CGM at the time, which was really, so it was sort of interesting to watch myself go through that process with the CGM on. Obviously, I was not doing any act, much activity um, when I was, I, I had to be non-weight-bearing for two weeks. So I had to figure out, okay, how do I manage this? How do I manage blood sugar? How do I manage movement? Um, what can I do for movement? I'm not going to sit on the couch. Um, I did find that my blood sugar sat probably about 10 points higher than usual, which can be quite a, it could be the difference between pre-diabetes and just non-diabetes, but it was just an interesting process to go to. The other, the other interesting thing was like the surgeon and the anesthesiologist were like, oh, what's that? Why, why are you wearing that? You don't have diabetes? What's going on with that? <laughs> and so it was sort of a fun conversation sparker. One, one was actually familiar with using it uh, for metabolic health and the other one was completely not aware of that. So part of it was the education process that was sort of fun and sort of sparked conversation. The other part was just sort of interestingly at watch because I think I can't do very much at that point. You know, it's not like I can go out for a walk for 20 minutes after I eat a meal. So it was just interesting to watch that process happen and what happened to my blood sugar. I'm curious, what are you excited about for the future? What are you interested in learning more about? What are you excited to put into practice? How are you thinking about your 2023 from a health and fitness perspective? I definitely have some physical therapy work in my future. Since I've been lifting a little bit heavier, I'm finding a lot of imbalances in musculature. And so I'm going to have to work through that. I have found that my blood sugar stability has gotten a lot better over um, the last month or two. So I'm finding that I don't need to worry as much about that straight and narrow blood sugar stability and I can't eat this, but I can eat this. And so I found there's a little bit more flexibility in what I have been eating. So I'm looking forward to experimenting a little bit more with the fruits in particular for the polyphenols and just kind of see how much I can get in or are those things that I would consume on days that I would lift heavy to kind of blunt that response and sort of play around with timing of when I might consume those foods, but also thinking about consuming them out of season versus in season. So buying some blueberries or strawberries now and seeing how that change in blood sugar in the wintertime versus what it looks like in the summertime. 
might be an interesting one to do as well.